Hi, this is Jim Lobato, and I'm the president and founder of a company called Performance Group. You are listening to the podcast version of a program that originally aired on the BizTalk radio show. I started BizTalk so you would have access to today's leading experts about growing your company and yourself. BizTalk is produced by Performance Group, which is in the business of helping the leadership of growth-oriented companies realize their potential. We do this by working with your sales force and helping those individuals discover and develop their unique abilities, and then to align those abilities with their opportunities. That's why we're known as a sales force development company. Enjoy the program. On our program today is Dan Sullivan. Dan Sullivan is the founder of the Strategic Coach Program. Strategic Coach is a lifelong learning program for entrepreneurs. Dan, welcome to the BizTalk program. Jim, it's a great pleasure, and I just appreciate the opportunity. Do you differentiate between what someone may call themselves a business owner and an entrepreneur, or are they the same thing? Well, the common characteristic is entrepreneurism, Jim, and I know that you work with very, very top-level salespeople. That's your, your specialty is take the productivity of sales executives, managers, and teams, and individuals upward. The, the, the characteristic of entrepreneurism is common to all people who do that, but the, I, I do really draw a distinction between what I would call a self-employed person and a real business owner. And the, the distinction for me between someone who is self-employed and the person who is a business owner is that money is continually being created, profitability is continually being created, regardless of whether the business owner is actually there that day. So for most self-employed people, the only time money is made is when they're actually there. And the real growth of entrepreneurism in the world really comes through business ownership, where you're putting together a whole team, and there's all sorts of multiplying capabilities that happen day in and day out, regardless of where the business owner actually is. So for people in our audience today, some can probably relate to this, that when you start a business, it's like, wow, if I can just, you know, make enough money to do this, and then they do that, whatever this is. And they say, well, if I can just get to this level, if I can just, you know, get this one big client or add two more employees, whatever it is, they get those things done. And and all of a sudden, they become successful in however they want to define successful, but that seems to be when most of the problems start because they get to a level of success and then they they hit this wall that they seem not to be able to get through and so success does create complexity and you talk about the ceiling of complexity what is that for our audience yeah, I, you've really set it up well, Jim, because, you know, the uh, sort of the idea of going out into the entrepreneurial marketplace is actually, it just involves a fairly small percentage of individuals. If you take everybody who would fall within the category of entrepreneurs in the general population, it's pretty well somewhere around 5%. So we're talking about one out of 20 individuals. And, you know, Jim, we, we were talking before the before we got into the actual interview here about a statement that I had made in another interview was that I believe that two of the big qualities that an individual has to have before taking the plunge into going out into the marketplace by themselves are complete confidence and total ignorance. 
In other words, you have to be very, very confident that you can go out there and you can actually make a living for yourself. But you also, if you really knew the odds against you, you probably wouldn't do it. So that there's actually a, an ignorance, what I call a, a creative ignorance, that you're willing to go out and do the learning just being in action. And for any starting off entrepreneur means that you have to be selling. No entrepreneurial venture ever starts without a fundamental skill of selling. You have to engage people to use your services, use your products to take their game to a higher level. And that's really what all sales are really about. But what happens, and you can see it in the statistics, I mean, we get really excellent statistics, especially from the Kauffman Foundation, which is probably the number one research development foundation in the world, which is in Kansas City, about the success rate of entrepreneurs. And this may stagger the people who are listening to this to this interview, Jim, but what they've discovered over the last 50 years, that of all the entrepreneurs who have operated in the U.S. economy and have actually submitted, you know, their tax returns for this, the average is about 5% of them make more than $100,000. So the vast majority of them really jump out there. They kind of make a living for themselves. They kind of create a job for themselves, but they don't really multiply. And the reason is specifically because of the term that you used, Jim, which is the ceiling of complexity. And that is, in addition to the quality of confidence and the quality of ignorance, they have another quality, which I call rugged individualism. And that is that they don't look for other people to help them. They look at all the activities in their business, and they take all those activities and do them themselves. And they feel that if they paid somebody else to do an activity, they're losing money for themselves. And that is the ceiling of complexity. So what happens is that initially you'll get a lot of success when you go out into the marketplace. And the reason is because you have all the time on your hands to actually do the selling. But then once you sell, then you have to deliver. Then you have to pay attention to things. Then you have to create files. Then you have to create paperwork. Then you have to, you know, you have to have follow-up. And the more complexity that starts surrounding your initial sales, that is not profitable work for you personally because you're a great salesperson. So what happens, and I see it all the time, is that they very quickly get to a point where all their time is being used up with the details of something that they created six months ago or a year ago, and their their past is getting bigger and their future is getting smaller simply because of all the complexity. Their head is literally hitting on the ceiling of complexity. And they're working long hours, they're working in the evenings, they're working on weekends, it's taking a toll on their relationships with their family. They find that activities that they love doing they can't get to, and they're kind of getting tired out, Plus, a greater percentage of the work every day isn't the kind of work that they actually love doing, so it actually wears them down emotionally and psychologically. So that, that is the universal problem. I mean, I travel overseas. I talk to entrepreneurs in virtually every industry, Jim, and it's the same story, and I'm sure if I went back 10,000 years to the people who are entrepreneurs then, they would tell the same story. So it's, it's the single biggest problem for entrepreneurs is the ceiling of complexity. So what is it about strategic coach that tends to work versus 
the traditional things you may be taught from your university education on running a business? Yeah, well, I think that the, not to be disrespectful to the academic community here, but very, very few of the professors in business schools or business You know, there's all sorts of entrepreneurial courses now in university, and very, very few of the people are actually out in the marketplace. They really, really like teaching in university, and that's why they've ended up there. But what they lack is really intimate, what I would say, down and dirty in the trenches, day-by-day knowledge of what it's actually like to be an entrepreneur. And what I've discovered, Jim, is that you either love that or you don't love it. And if you don't love it, you get out of it real fast and you find protective structures somewhere where you don't have to do that. So my entire framework of Strategic Coach, which is now almost 40 years old, has simply come from actually working with over 15,000 now very highly successful, very much like yourself, Jim. You started with an idea out in the marketplace. You were good at selling yourself, so you became a good salesperson, and then you had another gift, which was to actually give frameworks for other salespeople and then to create almost a complete unique process out there of how any entrepreneur can actually create a very successful sales foundation and framework and processes that continually expand. But what you had to do first before you could do that, you had to go through your own ceiling of complexity just as a single individual. And so I'm very, very conscious of this because I've done this myself. I I literally just started in the 1970s with an idea that if you could get people to sit down and go through certain thinking processes, they could immediately see the possibility of maximizing certain activities and minimizing other activities, even eliminating other activities. And the the real breakthrough for me, Jim, and it's the heart of strategic coach, and they don't teach this in university at all. I have to tell you, they teach just the opposite of this in university. And that is the whole concept of unique ability for the entrepreneur and unique ability teamwork for the organization. And what I mean by this is that every individual, and I'm talking about the planet here, every single individual on the planet has something that has the quality of being something that they're really good at, they're passionate about it, they're energized when they do it, other people are energized when they're in the company of them doing this, and they keep getting better at it. And so what I say is you've kind of unconsciously jumped into the marketplace because you wanted some greater freedom, and that's the big payoff for entrepreneurs. They just want greater freedom, freedom over their time, freedom over their money, freedom over their relationships, but most of all, freedom just to, you know, just to be in control of your own purpose in life. And in order to do this, so they they choose an entrepreneurial lifestyle to do that. But once they get out there then and they've got some experience and they know what they're talking about, then they have to almost flip gears. They they almost have to do things opposite from the way that they started their business. And what I mean by that, that they have to drastically reduce the number of activities that they personally, as the business owner, entrepreneur on the way to being a business owner, this is what they have to do is they actually have to cut down on the number of things they have to do dramatically. And I'm talking down to about three or four things. And those three or four things will be those activities 
that have all those qualities of being energizing and you're passionate and you're really good at it. And then becomes a lifetime process. And I remember when I first started it for myself, it was the early 1980s, Jim, and I just realized that I'm a, I'm a tremendous persuader. You know, if, if you give me the time, I can per- persuade you a future for yourself that's much bigger than anything you've had right now. And that that's really all I love doing, and I, I love doing it in a coaching setting. I love doing it in a platform setting. I love doing it writing. I love doing it recording, doing videos, and I love being interviewed. So if, if you're looking at, at me as an asset, then you don't want Dan Sullivan doing any, anything else. And if you look at Jim Levito, you don't want Jim doing anything except a certain number of activities that have a magical quality. They have a multiplier quality to them. So then with that cornerstone of unique ability, you start making 90-day leaps where every 90 days you're doing more at the end within that special area of unique ability than when you were at the beginning. And you do that one quarter, you do that two quarters, you do that three quarters, you do that for a full year, and at the end of the year you can make a 40 to 50% shift and how you're spending your daily time. And the impact of that will be reflected in incredible jump just in your enthusiasm and your sense of energy. But more than that, you're going to just see your revenues and your profitability going way up. And that, in essence, is the strategic coach way. So it isn't a whole bunch of academic theories. It's just paying attention to you at your best and building your entire entrepreneurial enterprise around you at your best, and then uh, then you create a team where other people are doing the things that you do not like doing, that aren't energizing for you, but they are for them. And then a teamwork, and that's the expansion. So for me, it started just with myself in the 70s, and then in 1982, I met my partner, uh, Bab Smith, and now we're at, sitting at around 115, 116 people, and each of those individuals does something very special that is not part of my unique ability. It's their unique ability. It's not my part. So we've gone from $25,000 enterprise uh, close to $25 million enterprise. You mentioned two things. One was, is there crossover where you really stop becoming an entrepreneur and, and start really becoming just a business owner? That, that... That's a, you know, that's a, really, that's a really terrific question. And I would say that I'm probably, if you go back to 1982, I'm doing more things on a daily basis that would totally qualify me as a pure entrepreneur than was true 30 years ago. In other words, that 95% of my time today is totally devoted to essentially two activities, innovation and marketing. And I consider my workshops a form of marketing. I consider my workshops a form of innovation. So I think if you did a survey among my team, they would say that Dan is incredibly more productive as an entrepreneur now than he was five years ago. But I'm not a manager, you know, and I want to get this across. And I I would say that the vast majority of entrepreneurs are not managers. They have good management. The successful ones have great management, but they're not the manager. They're still the number one salesperson in the organization. I'm the number one salesperson. I'm just selling to different audiences. 
like the opportunity you're giving here to me, Jim, is part of a multiplier attitude towards marketing, which I didn't have 30 years ago. In other words, uh, just simply by talking to you for an hour, I may be reaching, you know, hundreds and thousands of other people just simply by having this conversation. So my role as a salesperson now has continually multiplied in terms of the means and also in terms of the reach and the market. And all the entrepreneurs, I mean, Steve Jobs is the great example of that because from the very beginning to the very end, Steve Jobs was one thing. He was an absolute and complete salesperson. I don't, I, and I think that that's why he's remembered as such an extraordinary individual. Is he never became the manager. He, he only stayed as the salesperson. So what I hear you saying is that if you're that entrepreneur and if you can dial in what your unique ability is, it's probably best to stay in that unique ability no matter how large your company gets. Yeah, and, I, you know, Apple is the test proof of that because yeah. it's the largest publicly, you know, it's the number one publicly capitalized organization in the world. And Steve Jobs, if you had been able to interview him before he died, would say that there's actually no real difference between what he was doing in the last three or four years than what he was doing back in the 70s and 80s. It was still the same role. It's just that the incredible unique ability teamwork that he had around him. At first, it was just him and Steve Wozniak operating out of a garage. Now they have, you know, they have 50,000. You know, I don't know what the total numbers are. I think it's in the 40s. 40,000 team members directly within the Apple organization, and then everybody else in the world, like all their application developers and software developers who just want to add something to the Apple universe. And But it, I could see a very, very clear line from the very beginning. And the really great entrepreneurs, you see that. Jobs Ed Wozniak, you've talked about Babs in this program and other interviews I've heard you do. In your opinion, how important is it to have that partner in your business venture? Yeah, I won't say it's, it's totally, you know, that because I think that there are some people who can just operate just as a single individual and that they attract great people to them and they actually don't have a partner. But, it, you know, it's certainly been absolutely necessary for me. I, I, you know, I always say that without bads, I'm just a smart drunk. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm a bright guy. I'm a bright guy. I'm a talented guy. But the partnership with Babs, because Babs has a, a phenomenal ability to put together structures and teams and processes and get other people to continually work and that. And she brought that. I, I'm terrific at listening to entrepreneurs, hearing what they're saying, taking what they're saying and showing it back to them and then creating models, uh, you know, concepts and models and tools. And that's where my mind works all the time. And so I think that type of partnership, I think it may be a one-on-one -on -one partnership, but it may be a partnership where you have four or five other people around you and e each of them represents a part of another skill area that you don't have. So in addition to Babs, I have some phenomenal project managers who work with me, one specifically in the area of marketing, who's sitting right across from me doing quality control on what I'm saying here. And then I have another one in the area of the program, and I work with those two individuals, and it's a partnership. It's a terrific partnership. 
in the Strategic Coach Program, you group similar size businesses together. That way, owners can be amongst their peers. And I was in the middle group at the time, and you came to talk to our group, and someone in that group asked what I consider one of the best questions I've ever heard asked. And that person said to you, hey, Dan, we're in the middle group, and we'd like to get to that next group, the higher group. How do you do that? What is the difference between us here in the middle group and that group that's next level up? And you gave one of the best answers I think I've ever heard. You said, I can answer that. The people in the next group up only take direction from their future self, and they kill off all other distractions. And they're willing to go through any amount of transformation, no matter how painful, in order to get there. Does that sound familiar? Do you remember saying that? Yeah, actually, I think I'm going to adopt your version because I think uh, you, you said it better than I did. <laughs> no, I think... <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's interesting. I look for simple truths in the world, you know, things that just seem to be universally true. And one of the things I've just noticed, and anybody who can remember their lifetime of starting off with a group of playmates and classmates in the early part of their life and then going through the school system and then possibly going through university or college and then getting out into the marketplace. And let's say they're, Jim, you're 54 and I'm, I'm 68. You've, you, you've been able to watch what other people who were at one time sort of on your same level, what's happened to them as you've continued to grow. And what I notice is that somewhere around 30, I think it's actually, there's quite a bit of psychological research to actually back this up, that there's a point when people are about 30 years old when they make a fundamental decision, and that is whether their directions for the rest of their life are going to come from their past or their directions are going to come from the future. And what I mean by that is that, you know, at age 30, you've got a fair amount of experience under your belt. And I have had the experience of meeting with individuals. I actually have a 50th high school reunion this August. I graduated in 1962 from high school in Ohio. And, you know, but I can remember going back to reunions when I was in my 30s, and it struck me already that the individuals that I was talking to had a past that was incredibly bigger than their future. In other words, that they were never going to do anything, try anything, experiment anything for the rest of their life that was more exciting than probably what they did when they were teenagers or in their early 20s. You know, this is this is left up to every single individual. I think it's it's the it's one of those things that regardless of where you are on the planet, when you hit 30, you got to make a fundamental decision. Who's the boss now? Is it your past that's the boss or is it the future that's the boss? And I think what entrepreneurs, first of all, just as a generalization here, as I, I would say that entrepreneurs or people certainly with an entrepreneurial spirit are the ones who very, very clearly make the decision that their future is always going to be bigger than their past. You know, and I say entrepreneurial spirit because we see a lot of individuals who just continually grow throughout their lives. But I think that the entrepreneur particularly 
because they just dive right into the deep end of the pool in terms of what's demanded of them as an individual. Just decide that, you know, from now until the end, I'm just going to take my directions about my picture of who I could be three years down the road, five years down the road, ten years down the road. And that picture is always going to be telling me right now to be changing my life, eliminating this from my life, uh, improving this in my life. And it's tough. You know, as you said, uh, there's pain attached to that. And then among the entrepreneurs, the same thing happens again. And I think it happens after people get their initial success. Say they had a first goal of getting to $50,000 in personal income, which is kind of like the average of all people who technically fall under entrepreneurism. It's somewhere between 50 and 60 in the U.S., you know, which worldwide is actually a good number. But then they reach a point where they just plateau for the rest of their life. And the reason is that they're now taking their directions from their entrepreneurial past instead of from their entrepreneurial future. And, you know, these are things that are easy to understand, but to actually put it into action actually requires constant discomfort on a daily basis in some area of your life. And it's the willingness to put up to what I call creative discomfort is really the key to being a growth entrepreneur, someone who's going to multiply continually for the rest of their life. I always like your quote, always make your future bigger than your past. Yes. I, I, you know, I think that, and I'm constantly reminded of that, you know, because looking back, we have accomplished a lot here at Strategic Coach. But I keep reminding myself, yeah, but let's just take it back to zero. That's, that's great experience. You've got great capabilities. You've got great resources. You've got great opportunities. But let's just take it down back to zero again and say, okay, we're starting the game all over. And I, I feel that way actually more at 68 than I did at 48. So I, I've got this sense of a huge, huge future. I look at our future at $25 million, incredibly bigger then I looked at our future when it was like one and a half million or two million back in the 90s. And to that end, talk to our audience a little bit about what 10 times multiplier means in the Strategic Coach program. Well, it's interesting because I have to draw a distinction here, Jim, because I've personally coached about 6,000 of the 15,000 entrepreneurs who've been in the program since the late 80s when we really became a program that still bears the same resemblance today. I did a lot of R&D like all entrepreneurs do for the first 15 years, but in around 89, we really, really got the model down. And so since then, I've coached about 6,000 entrepreneurs. And in terms of the future, and and the people who are with me tend to be real, you know, gung-ho about their futures. But there's two different kinds. There are what I call the leapers, and and I'll describe that very briefly. A leaper is simply saying, you know, I think I'm ready to go for 10 times greater revenues or I'm going to go for 10 times greater profitability, you know, one or the other. And that just becomes sort of like the North Star for them. And they, they just fix their, uh, you know, they fix all their sights on it, and then they start transforming their organization and eliminating things and changing things and learning new things and acquiring new things, and they get to 10 times. And perfectly acceptable, you know, and I always love the leapers when I, when I meet them. And, you know, I do the utmost to support them so they don't drive everybody else crazy in their, in their life. 
But there's another type of entrepreneur who at the end of the day accomplishes just as much, and I call these the shopping cart entrepreneurs. And the way I'd like you to picture the shopping cart is if you draw a circle in the middle of a sheet of paper, I'll say, uh, I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and one question is, over the next three years, if you could just simplify one big thing in your life and your business, what would it be? And they'll give me an answer. And one of them would say that I'd like to get rid of all the dealing with the backstage financial issues of the company. I'd like to have, like, a chief financial officer who takes care of that, or we outsource it or anything. And I put that down, and I say, okay, in terms of free time, how much more free time would you like to have? And they'll say, well, in strategic coach terms, because we have a definition of a free day as a day when you don't do any work at all, you would be able to, I'd like to have 50 more free days in the third year. Okay, and you say, what would you like your personal income to be? Oh, I'd like to take my personal income up by $200,000 over the next three years. Okay, and what would be one huge new capability that you would like to, you know, add to your organization? Then they say, we'd like to get our entire relationships with our clients, customers on a great, great CRM, customer relationships management software. So I keep going around the circle, Jim, and what happens, there will come a point, and I'll say, now, this is what you told me about the simplification, this is what you told me about free time, this is what you told me about revenues, and, and so forth. Can I ask you a question? If I added all, all three of those, or all four of those, or maybe five or six, if they all happened, would you consider that ten times the entrepreneurial progress? And the person says, no, there's one more. So we add one more. And I said, so that would be 10 times. And what I'm showing here, Jim, is a real difference between two different, totally different kinds of what I would say are 10 times mindset. But the one mindset just goes for one big result and then says, with that one big result, I can change everything else in my life. And the other one says, I'm going to start changing some really, really, uh, and improving and transforming some really crucial things right now, and at a certain point, if I pull off these five or six things, it'll represent, in my mind, 10 times greater entrepreneurial success, and both of them are completely legitimate. And so in Coach, we have a structure which, if you're a leaper, we can totally support you as a leaper. If you're a shopping cart multiplier, then we can totally support that. But it's, it's, it's really interesting, but the whole point here is to constantly be having the sense that you're going 10 times. couple final questions here, okay? Dan Sullivan, Lee Strategic Coach today, okay? Mm-hmm. It's over. So you're sitting around tomorrow with nothing. But you get to carry three Strategic Coach tools forward to start whatever the next venture is. What are the three concepts or tools you carry forward to start your next venture? Yeah, I've, I've really actually <laughs> given that a lot of thought. The first one is the strategy circle. The strategy circle is actually the source code for the entire strategic coach. And just for your listeners' sake, Jim, that it's a thinking process I came up with in 1982 where you just get someone to pick a time period in the future and then state a number of results, just like I did in the answer to the last question. 
And then you work with them on a 90-day basis where they say, okay, now what are all the obstacles to you pulling this off? And you get them to state all the obstacles, and then they take each one of the obstacles and turn it into the solution. I think this is the finest creative-solving process in the world. I've never come across anything simpler, better than the strategy circle. So I take that with it. The other one is the concept of unique ability, because without the concept of unique ability, there's no reward in the system for personal progress as an entrepreneur. And there's no way to really expand yourself in the marketplace in a way that allows you to stay being a pure entrepreneur and not becoming a bureaucratic manager. And the third one is actually a, is the concept of 10 times itself, that the appropriate goal and framework for thinking as an entrepreneur in the 21st century, a lot of it because of technology, is that we can now think very realistically in terms of 10 times. So it's actually, a, I had an interview in Success Magazine, but I also had an article in Success Magazine in the May 2012 issue where I wrote an article that says why it's easier to grow 10 times than it is to grow two times. And my belief is that because when you set a 10 times goal, it forces you to rethink everything that you're doing in your business from a completely new perspective. And it's just that thinking process that actually opens your mind up to all sorts of new possibilities, and it frees you up completely from your entrepreneurial past. Going for two times doesn't do that. Going for ten times actually does. So if I had the strategy circle, I had unique ability, and I had the ten times mindset, I, I could create something even bigger. Biggest challenges you see facing businesses today? I think the, you know, and uh, Jim, you've been in the program for a long time. It's commoditization. There's no question to me It's the that the continual application of technological software, you know, the very powerful hardware that makes the software possible and then the networks that are being created means that every single existing product or service in the world is now under intense scrutiny to how it could be done more cheaply. And so to be involved in the commoditization game and to be every year to be facing more and more the issue of price competition, I think is probably the worst possible future that any entrepreneur could really get into unless you intend to be Microsoft or Walmart or McDonald's. You know, but there aren't, there aren't a lot of entrepreneurs who have a goal of being that. There's very few of them. So what you have to do then is that you have to go 180 degrees over to the other side of the entrepreneurial world, and you have to create in the marketplace a, first of all, a dream solution for a market that would consist of the 10 best clients or customers you've ever had. This is a thinking process. And what I would do is I would just take the 10 best relationships I've ever had and talk to them and say, you know, if you could get everything possible for me, and we're not talking about price here, what would you want me to do? And what would you want to solve in your life, quite apart whether it's me or someone else, and get their answer and then create a solution for them that your competition could not even match. They, they wouldn't even think in those terms and then spend all your life for the rest of your life creating the dream solution for a very particular type of client or customer. 
So the number one problem is the commoditization, and the breakthrough is what I call dominating your own unique market with a dream solution. Is there one question today that I should have asked you that I haven't? Yeah, you could ask me how big I think this is still going to become, even <laughs> even further. <laughs> okay, so if I was to ask if you, you... Want to ask, if you want to ask me a question about what I've been thinking about, that would be a good one. Okay, so Dan, I, I was just thinking there. What are you thinking about these days? What do you? What's in the future for Dan? Yeah, well, I really, I really believe that in the past forty years, I personally, and over the past quarter century, here at Strategic Coach, we have created the most powerful entrepreneurial thinking tools, communication tools, teamwork tools, marketing tools that really, really exist in the world. And I'm not just talking about the entrepreneurial world. I also think the corporate world could learn a tremendous amount from us. So my big goal right now is twofold. One is to completely protect the entrepreneurial culture that we've created at Strategic Coach, namely the team that we've put together and the way we work together, but also the unique, what I call multiplier base, because I call all of our entrepreneurs and strategic coach, I call them multipliers to protect that. But then on the other hand, to continually be, be, be packaging our best entrepreneurial tools so that they can go worldwide through really big distribution centers so that we're kind of an R&D lab for the rest of my time here producing really powerful products and proving that they work just in terms of the success. So, I, you know, our, our immediate goal is to go from $25 million to $100 million. And we'll be a different company in terms of capability at $100 million, and we'll have a different reputation at $100 million. And at that point, there's a big jumping-off point where the strategic coach capabilities go worldwide. Sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dan, if people wanted to learn more about the strategic coach program, where would they go? Well, the, we have a number for, that's good for all of North America, and it's 1-800-387-3206. And, you know, we have a, a team here that if anybody's interested in how to get involved in the program, they'll immediately fill you in. You know, they, we have a whole process of getting people real clear about what it is that interests them about Strategic Coach, how it would fit into their life. And it's very much custom designed, as you know, Jim. And then we would show them all the possibilities for them to use strategic coach capabilities to transform themselves personally, but also their, their business enterprises. Dan, thanks for being on the program. My pleasure, Jim. Great, great questions and just great spending time with you. This or other BizTalk podcast may be downloaded by visiting our website, biztalkradioshow.com. That's B-I-Z, talkradioshow.com. You can subscribe to BizTalk through iTunes. If you want to learn the strategies on how to take your sales force to the next level, you can contact Performance Group at 800-550-9509 or visit us on the web at pmgllc.net.